0: You ready for this? Ready. Are you sure though? Because you don't know what's coming, do you? (laughs) If you if you use the YouVersion Bible app, and I I love that app, um, if you use that on a regular basis, you can always follow along with the notes we do as a church, because I always put them in there. It's part of my review for the sermon, and I I we build those notes in, and they are there for you so that you can you can take your own personal notes. It's completely private. It's all you. I have no idea who who does it or how many. Of you do it. It's just something that I provide because I want you to have that as a tool. So if you've never used that before, there's the three little lines that are the menu. If you hit menu and you look for events, um, if your phone a location is turned on, it'll pop up this church because it's it's scheduled to be live today, so it'll pop up. If you don't, that's fine. Or if, you know, we, we, we're not pro- broadcasting online today, but if you weren't here and you wanted to watch, or follow along with the notes. You can always do that. But put in our zip code. It's pretty easy. 64064. So who knows the date today? 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. It is. It's 123123. 1, which is weird, right? 123123. 1, I, I don't know how often in history this kind of thing happens, but it is comical. I didn't even notice that. Until a couple of weeks ago, I started hearing that Vegas was having to add all of these um, hours and wedding chapel services because some people like to get married on these catchy dates, right? Anybody have a date like you don't have to share, but you guys remember your anniversary dates, right, <laughs> guys? Kind of a big deal, right? I mean, dates matter, right? I mean, some dates matter more than others, and if we're honest, this is pretty catchy and. You know, if you're getting married that day, I'm sure you wouldn't write out 2023. You're going to put the one two three one two three, and it'll look kind of cool on there. And I, I get it, I get it. Um, and people put meaning into numbers and dates, and maybe you do, maybe you don't. But, but when our oldest daughter was born, uh, we went we went in, and it was um, it was the 30th. It was October 30th, and it was in the afternoon evening, and um, we ended up having our baby at. Uh, it ended up being like uh, 2 o'clock in the morning on Halloween day. But at midnight, at midnight, now where we had we had Grace, we lived in, Ana- we lived in uh, Los Angeles, but we had the baby in Anaheim. And so this hospital, and, and a lot of the birthing centers that are, they have today, I mean, this is 24 years ago, so a long time ago, but a lot of the birthing centers today are pretty fancy. It's like a bedroom, and it's really nice. Well, this wasn't like that. These were like all these hospital rooms lined up. And any time a baby was born, not only did you hear the whole run-up, all the... The not happy sounds. And then when the baby was born, then you would hear a nurse call out the time, the date, and everything like that. You, you could hear everybody's baby being born. It's like we were having this shared experience in our own room. And there was, at 12.02, I remember, because I remember looking at my watch, because I was watching and saying, okay, it's going to be tomorrow. And and uh, 12.02, somebody started calling out the name, and or not the name, but the date and the time. And then the nurse said, uh hold on, that was actually 11.59. And I am thinking, that's weird. So then later, when our baby was born, uh, later the next day, that day, I was in the nursery with her, and I was talking to some of the nurses, and I said, hey, there was a baby born at like 12.02, but then I heard somebody change the, the time. She goes, yeah, some people just don't want it to be on Halloween. you know the t- the... And I, <laughs> I said, really? She goes, that happens all the time. I'm like, well, is this, it didn't change when the baby's born. She'll say, yeah, but the baby will probably never know. They'll probably never know. The mom will never tell, and it'll be, I go, but, but if it matters, I mean, if it indeed matters, she was born on that, on the 31st. They're like, I know, it happens all the time. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, do dates have meaning? I mean, do they have intrinsic meaning? Do they mean something outside of the meaning we give them? Think about this for a minute. If you did get married today, let's say, I'm available to do any weddings if, if that's uh, on your mind today. If you were to get married today, though, would that date, it's not up there anymore, would that date, that one, two, three, one, two, three, would it actually be different? Or would the meaning, would it have meaning because you got married that day? I know there's a lot of people who have a lot of uh, attitudes with dates. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, but I feel like there's things that we, we can add meaning to something because we choose that. God has given us a power, in a sense, to add meaning to things that make them significant. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, it's actually a human thing to say, no, this happened on this day, and it matters. And we remember it. Think about that. I mean, it, it goes back. There's so many things that we do that to. Of course, births, I mentioned that. I mean, who doesn't know their birthday? Who doesn't know when you wake up that day, hey, it's a special because I'm here, right? You're welcome, right? Isn't that what we do? How about your marriage? Oh, we mentioned marriage. I mean, different achievements. Maybe a day you graduated. Maybe you got a special award. Maybe, maybe something super important happened. Now, good things, bad things. I mean, we remember dates. They matter. We, we commemorate dates with our faith. I mean, we just, we just celebrated Christmas on December 25th. And I had multiple conversations with people that would say, like, I didn't even know his birthday. It doesn't even matter. Like, well, it matters. He was born and we celebrated that day. And by the way, not that you all have to do this, but I, I did post this. It was really fascinating. I came across this historian who went back and they can actually, they actually think it was born on the 25th now because they dated all the way back, not to go back into Christmas time, but remember the angel came to Mary and said, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Remember that? So if you go back, and then the angel that had appeared to Zechariah, he was serving in the temple with his order. His priestly order had certain dimes that they served. Well, now they found the records. They know when he served. So you can do the math. It matters. Easter matters, right? Those dates matter. So again, I mean, I know we can give certain days significance. I, I just posted this. Um, many of you know the story, some don't, and I'm not going to tell the whole story today, but, but when I lost my leg in a motorcycle accident, on, it was December 17th. That day is significant for me. I will never forget that day. It changed my life. Now, some people might look at that as a horrible day. I do not. In fact, I've named the day. And some of you maybe saw the post I put online, but um, a friend of mine, actually, I was on his podcast. He had, I didn't even know this until he called me up and said, hey, would you do my podcast? He has a podcast called... Uh, uh, my new what is it called well anyway I was on his podcast because oh new normal because he had a stroke and he's worked his way back from a stroke and he has a new normal so I was on that podcast so I posted that um, on December 7th well I didn't do it on the 17th because that was our Christmas service but I did it a couple days later but to me that's yay I'm not dead day see what I mean it's a good day I mean it's a day I celebrate right I wake up that day and say, thank you, Jesus, for this day, because, yeah, it changed my life, it changed my perspective, it changed a lot of things, but what it did more than anything is showed me what matters and what's important and showed me significance, and I'm grateful for that day. You may remember certain days, maybe the day you got saved. Amen. How many of you remember that day? I'm just curious, because not everybody does. Don't feel guilty if you don't. It's not like you're less of a Christian, but... Okay, thank you for that. Some of you remember, maybe remember the day you were baptized. I saw some people posting about that, actually, this, this last, uh, yesterday. You may remember other things. You may, you may remember that that, um, that that was the day that it all made sense and you became a Christian. For you, maybe, and I'm just putting this out there, maybe for you, you've been a skeptic and then because you had seen things in people's lives that made a difference, you became curious and you started asking questions and then before you knew it, you realized, this makes sense. It's real. I need to do this. Maybe for you it wasn't like that. Maybe you were raised in church and maybe you had maybe kind of a kid's version of, of Christianity and, and, you know, maybe it was just different and then you, you ran into hardships and maybe you walked away and then you realized, you know what? It's true. It's real. And that way of life is true. Maybe for you it was you, you came to Christianity because you looked at the world and you, you thought, this couldn't have happened by accident. Yeah, like, like, like we know that there was, there was a moment in time where everything banged into existence. They called it a big bang, right? But some, where did all that stuff have come from that, that, that exploded? And who exploded it? Someone had to do that. Do you know there's scientists coming to Christ constantly over that kind of thing? Do you know, the closer they look at the world, it becomes so apparent to them that the specificity and the organization of it all, they realize this is so intricately designed, it couldn't have happened by chance and by accident. And so even though they're challenged by it because it affects their whole worldview, they realize this is something here. DNA has changed a lot. A lot of scientists have come to Christ over DNA. I know this sounds weird, but maybe to most of us, but you know how DNA works, Right? Well, do, do any of us really, but, but anyway, there's four proteins. It's, a, it's, a, it's literally, it would be compared, Bill Gates has even compared it to a computer program where in a computer program you have ones and zeros, but here you have four, four things, and each of those four things put in different combinations tells every cell in your body not only what to do, but what to be. And so scientists look at that and they say, that is, that is information with a direction and intentionality that doesn't happen by accident. Somebody had to write that code. And they come to Christ. It's bizarre. It's crazy. Maybe for you, though, there was a moment in life where you just considered and realized, you know, the world is broken. And it doesn't make sense. And then somebody shared with you the plan of salvation and the story of Christianity and the fact that God made it good. He made us to have a relationship. And that our sin separated us from him. And then our sins can't be taken away by good works, but instead Christ died, paid the price for our sin. And then when you put your faith in him, not only does he change your life, but you start a life with him that lasts through eternity. And when you heard that for the first time, or maybe the third time, or the eighth time, you realized that is true, and I need that. And here's what Jesus does. He fixes the world by fixing each of us one at a time, and then we fix the worlds around us, and it changes literally everything. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's kind of an interesting thought. Uh, Spencer Smith gave me a book for Christmas, which is, uh, that doesn't happen very often. And It was an audio book, and it's it's by John Eldridge's son. And if you know John Eldridge, he's a pretty dramatic, interesting guy. Well, his son's even more so. And he, he tells the story of God. One of the things he said in there that just caught me short and it just made me think over and over and over is the Bible talks about how God puts his image into each of us think follow my train of thought here for a second if you would I've always seen that and been amazed by that and and that makes me realize every single human being on the planet has intrinsic value because they have the image of God everybody matters that's why racism is evil that's why you know genocide all these that's why killing some I mean all that's evil right because there's there's literally the, somebody has the image of God, but think of it more than that okay, so think about this for a second. I know this is I know I'm kind of getting weirded out here for you, but think about this for a second when when people worship an image like an idol or something right they're worshiping an image of something and it's usually in a house. but where did God put his image in you 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 we literally are the image bearers, so when we walk around and do life, we are taking literally God and His message everywhere we go. We literally expand and, and take the kingdom of God everywhere because we and, and we have His image. It just blows me away. He changes the world one by one. So today, this one, two, three, one, two, three, doesn't matter. You can make it matter today. <laughs> This what? If, what if this these numbers, literally your life changed today, and you can look back to these numbers, and you realize this is the day that everything changed. Now I know some of you are thinking, I'm already a Christian pastor, I get it. Okay, that, I'm actually this is a challenge for every single person, whether you're here because you you came with your family or you didn't want to or you stumbled in here or you you've been a Christian your whole life. What if what if these numbers would matter and you would look back and say, that's when everything changed? You're thinking, okay, that's super dramatic, right? Kind of, I get it. But let me, let me, let me help you understand. I, what, what I'm saying is, you could give significance to this day by the decisions you make today. So I'm gonna actually challenge you to make some choices today. And I know you know this, but these little decisions we make, I mean, this can be a big one today, but these decisions, when you add them up, these are the choices that end up becoming your life and ultimately your destiny. I remember years ago, I was a young youth pastor and driving downtown, and uh, this is in LA, and um, there was a guy strung out on the corner and you know, a lady selling herself, and I had some students with me, and we were gonna go feed the homeless, and one of the kids, one of the girls, she just said, I wonder what she dreamed about being. I remember driving the van and thinking, I, looked, I remember looking right around at her like, Wow, that's deep. And she goes, and him, I wonder what he wanted to be when he grew up. And then they, we started this conversation about what were the choices and decisions they made that they ended up there. And then I turned it, of course, onto them and said, you know, the decisions and choices you make will determine where you end up to. And what if you made some decisions today that changed literally everything? God's given us a gift as humans. He, he, he's given us a gift that none of the animals have. I mean, they they live their lives, really, they they live their lives based on instinct and, and either fear of punishment or promise of reward. That's the extent of animal existence, really. Even your favorite pet, I know, I'm sorry, if you think your dog's real or human or whatever. But he gives you choices, choices. I mean, choices that determine everything. Literally choices that can change your entire trajectory of your life you can you can make choices that literally change everything and you think through them and you they're they're huge weighty decisions and we see examples of that in scripture where people made choices without even thinking and maybe they weren't prepared but you know you think about Jacob and Esau and Esau forfeits his birthright for some soup and even even Adam and Eve in the garden and the choice they make for an apple just the desire to be like God and it's it's weird sometimes because there are there are ways that the world works and sometimes we don't realize that those choices are huge and weighty and you make them. You get the choices. Why did God do that? Why did he give you that choice? Why, why would he trust us with that? Have you ever seen kids that maybe they grow up in a house where everything's super controlled, they don't have choices? And then at a certain point in life, maybe they leave home or join the military or whatever and then they kind of go wild. It's like... Well, what happened there? Well, they never learned to make those choices along the way that and they didn't they didn't experience the consequences and and find out that these choices lead to bad things and these good, and they didn't learn that because the choices were made for them. God doesn't treat us that way. He gives us real choices that really, really matter. Some people, of course, you know, they they would rather not live like that. I mean, some people would just like to live in ignorance and, and like everything decided for them. It's easy, right? No brain, no headache, right? You just drift through life. What they don't realize is they're making choices when they do that. And some, I get it, you know, I, I, I get it. You, they would rather just abdicate all their choices to the culture. Like, well, everybody's doing it. I'm just going to do what they're doing. I mean, I get it. I mean, that's, that's easy. It's an easy way out. But the thing is, God holds us responsible for each of those choices. But again, why would he give us free will? I heard this story, and I've seen it played out in movies here and there, but I heard this story years ago about this girl, and she really wanted to go to the prom, and nobody was asking her. And so the cute guy at school asked her out, and she was just elated. I mean, she was cloud nine. She's telling all her friends, and they're all excited. Everybody's excited. It's so cool. Everybody liked him. Everybody wanted to go with him, but he chose her. They went out. It was fine. And somewhere in the night, something happened, and she found out that her dad had paid him to ask her out. She would have rather he never even did it, right? It cheapened the whole thing. It didn't mean anything. It, she found out it was all not real. Now, of course, her dad had good intentions. He wanted his daughter taken care of and felt important, and I get it. But for her, it wasn't real because it wasn't real. Imagine worse. What if, what if he made him? What if he forced him to do it? It would have all been a sham, a lie, an empty, hollow thing. It wouldn't have been a real relationship. Now, of course, in the movies, you know, he ends up falling for her. And oh, really? I love you. I mean, whatever. But I hope you get the point I'm trying to make here. God gives us real choices because they really matter. And he wants you to really choose him. He doesn't force you. He doesn't. And it doesn't make it happen, but you choose. So on this one, two, three, one, two, three day, you can make some choices that change literally everything. I mean, he intends to, for you to have real love, a love that you really make a commitment to. I heard this yesterday and it made me laugh out loud. Have you ever had a salesman call the house? Now, of course, we don't answer the phone anymore. Does anybody answer the phone? Calls, people you don't know. Uh, every time I do that, I regret it. But have you ever answered the phone and somebody, you know, right away, they're like, hello, sir, do you, do you like clean water? <laughs> what do you say? Well, yeah. Well, do you like drinking it right out of the tap? Wouldn't that be nice to have clean water? Yeah, right? Every answer is a yes, right? So eventually what happens? They try to get you to buy a water filter or something, right? And the answer is what? Yes. And you feel like you want to say yes. Why do you want to? And so here's what the guy was talking about. We, we have these three yeses. Sometimes we'll say yes because it's the easiest, quickest way to get off that phone call. And then we have a yes that's kind of conditional in a sense that we're just going to cancel that credit card payment, right, later, right? So it wasn't a real yes. But then the real yes is the full commitment where you choose and you're not forced into a yes, but you have the options and you see it up and down and you see the consequences back and forth and you say yes and you mean it. I I don't know why I just got chills. If you really mean it, you mean it. And you know the difference. We all do. We all know what it means when you say you're given a choice and you actually say yes. That's why the scripture, Jesus says, consider the cost. He doesn't want people scared into heaven. He doesn't want people to just say yes to get out of an uncomfortable situation. He doesn't want people to say yes just because it's the right thing to say. He wants them to say yes because they really, really mean it. And when you do that that way, then that day, whatever it is—if it's one, two, three, one, two, three, or whatever day it is—it means something to you because it's real, real, real. That's the love he wants, and it's not just about believing in him. You, I love that James put this in his in his letter to the church. He said, "You believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder." At a theology professor in college, he said, "You know who has perfect theology? The devil." Like, we're all like, wait, what? He goes, he just rejects it. He knows what's true. It's not about knowing things or just having all the ducks in a row and you're right. It's about making a commitment to follow that. And you know, you know the difference. You all do. And the thing is, like I mentioned a minute ago, our sin separates us from God. It's not about believing. It's about our, our sin and our desire to live for us. You, know, you all know Romans three twenty three. For God is, all have sinned. Falling short of God's glory standard, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. It's a choice to serve him. Isn't it easier to go with the flow, go with the world? I mean, it is, right? I mean, it's just easier. easier. But I heard this once, and I'll never forget it. Dead things go with the flow. Right? It's live things that swim against the current. You know, our world today is is a difficult place sometimes to be a Christian because it's it's not cultural right now. It's counter-cultural. And it's a choice you make. And it's making a choice to serve him and accept his sacrifice for our sin. That's why when... One of the religious rulers, Nicodemus, came to Jesus in the night and he's trying to figure out this new Jesus who's preaching and everybody's following him and, and he's talking to him and Jesus says something about, you need to be born again. And he says, I don't even know what that means. So Jesus, is, in his explanation, says what's one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. He says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It's all about a heart change. It's what it is. It's a heart change. And it's always been about that. And it's about that for whoever you are in this room today. No matter where you are in your Christian walk, it, like I said before, if you're a skeptic, if you're curious, if you're a committed Christian, if you've been walking with Jesus for your whole life long, it's always going to be about the heart. always. That's so why so the proverb says, guard your heart. From, from it comes the wellspring of life. You've always got to be careful for the heart. It's a heart change. When you give your heart and your whole life to Him, what changes? Well, one thing changes overnight. Immediately, your eternal destination changes. That's a given. But then this part happens gradually where your, your values, your desires, Your relationships with him and everybody around you starts to change. Paul said like this in the book of Acts, it's recorded. He says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, Jesus said this to him, "To, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and may be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light. It's a heart change. Even the prophet Ezekiel said it this way, and I want to show you two versions because I like both of them, the wording. The New Living says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Anybody had a stony heart before? Stubborn? And then he changes it. And the the, uh, King James or New King James, and this is the ESV, it says this, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I love that imagery. The idea that that, that me walling myself off to God, I open that up and I intentionally choose. One, two, three, one, two, three. I choose to make this day a difference. You ever been... I'm sure you have, around a fireplace or a fire pit. When, when do you feel the warmth? As you get closer, right? And as you get closer, you feel it. And then you know the difference if maybe you go to get something to drink or walk away. And as you walk away, the, the fire has less and less impact on you. It's the same with God. The closer you are, the more influence he has. But it's, again, your choice. Your choice. You choose it. You choose it in everything you do. The thing is, though, he's so good about this that as he works on us, he works with us. You don't do it all by yourself. Paul wrote this to the church of Corinthians. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. It's a new life that's begun. And it builds and builds and grows and grows. It's not really, though, a linear straight trajectory, is it, though? i I thought about this, and it made me laugh out loud it's kind of a roller coaster ride, isn't it with Jesus? I mean really, if we 're honest, and it changes from moment to moment based on our emotions or other people's decisions that have influence and impact on us, or you know maybe it's stuff that we're working on or our mistakes or the world, or our family, our friends and and it seems like we're going like this, and then boom, and then we, we change a little bit, and then we keep going, and we keep guarding our heart, and we keep getting deciding to go closer to him, closer to the fire, and that we feel the warmth, and he changes us again, and it's a growing real thing, and cycles are broken, and addictions are broken, and systems in our life adjusts, and we find new values in our heart, and we realize that our friendships need to change and our family needs to change and where we spend our time and when we spend our money and how we do life, it all changes. And it's complicated. I love mountaintops, believe me. I love hiking. I love being on the top, but that's not where things grow. You notice? I don't know if anybody's ever hiked, like in, in the West where there's mountains above 8,000 feet. Things don't grow up there. Where do things grow? They grow in the valley they go where real life happens and I prayed about this but the fact is it's the hard work and the introspection and you doing hard work of reconciliation and asking for forgiveness and you putting time in and then getting back up and trying over and over and it's not all lollipops and bunnies and rainbows and sugar and it's, it's, it's spice and difficulty and working through it and sticking with it and making a commitment and Getting close to the fire again. That's why the author of Proverbs says, the godly may trip seven times. Did you catch that? Godly people trip. But they get back up again. They don't stay down. They get back up again. They don't stay down. They don't let it defeat them. Because you're never defeated until you stay down. The fact is, you get back up again and work at it again and again and again. (sighs) The closer you get to, to him, the more you want to know him. You ever heard that saying, to know me is to love me? It's true with him. It's true with him. The more you know him, the more you want to know him. And the, more you, the closer you get, the more you find there's more to know. And you can't even exhaust his word. I mean, the more you read, the more you find things that you didn't even see before and connections you didn't even know were there. And the truth is, the closer you get to him, the more you, the more you see how your sin is offensive. Any of you who are parents have had your children disobey you or do something to hurt you? You know the deep hurt. Imagine God. And then our sin becomes, you you realize, I don't want to hurt him like that. It becomes more real. It's not just something that you gloss over or find excuses for, but it's something you grieve over because you know you grieved him. And that only feels that way when you close you get to him. And the closer you get to him, the more grateful you are about your salvation. Because you realize how much grace he extended to you. And you realize how you don't deserve what he's given you. The fact is, if he gave us what we deserve, none of us would be here. None of us, none of us would even survive. But the fact is he never does that. He gives us what we do not deserve. Oh, it's So beautiful. I think about it, is our gratitude just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. So, we can sing these worship songs with a full heart, knowing that we don't deserve him, but he's worthy of our praise. I wanna read this, it's a little long, but Paul wrote this from a prison cell. That always adds more nuance and color to it, knowing that he wrote this from prison. Listen to what he says here I once thought these things were valuable, talking about the the things in life that we put value on. Ah, But now I consider them worthless. Because of what Christ has done. I used to think these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have discarded everything else and I count it as garbage. Garbage. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience a resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. One, two, three, one, two, three. I want to know God for God i know I know a lot of people it, you know i've been i 've I've been in church my whole life I, you know raised in church i 've been a Christian all my life but i didn 't always want to know God for God. I was always here, but sometimes just going through the motion i was you know there's times where I maybe wanted an experience or I wanted something i i I wanted something and i didn 't want him. My challenge to you today and what I want you to remember from one two three one two three is I want you to choose to know him for him. Whatever that means. And at any cost. For you to know him for him. Not for what you're going to get out of it. Not for an easy life. Not for everything to always work out. Not for having things or pleasure or blessings. Or to even see his glory. All that's good. Don't get me wrong. But that's all that's all consequences. That's all icing on the cake. I, I want you to choose to know him for him, to know him. He created you for a relationship for you to know him. Those are all good, but that's not the goal. He's the goal. You ask me, what's the point of the Christian life is to know God and to glorify him forever. That is the goal. All those other things are great and they do come along with it and your life is better and all of that's true. But that's not the goal. The goal is Him. And if you haven't chosen to know Him, then you're missing out on the whole point. And I want to challenge you to choose that today. I challenge you to choose something today that is different than all of that. Just Him. Just Him. So what does that take to know Him for Him? I think the first step for all of us is to really assess your own Condition, your own heart. No one else's, just yours. None. Where are you? Where are you in that progression? Where are you with God? Is he an acquaintance? Someone you know, someone you visit from time to time? Are there things that are in the way and keep you from knowing him fully? Are there maybe things that you have let get between you and him? Maybe maybe sin, maybe outright sin, maybe secret sin, maybe nobody knows. It could even be simple things like selfishness or desires that you know are not right or pure. You know. And what happens is in a sermon like this, as I'm preaching, I know what's happening is the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart individually. Because there's no way I could list everything that would hit each one of you. I don't know what those things are. He does, though. And if your heart is a heart of flesh and not of stone, then hopefully right now your heart is open to him and saying, I want more of you. And as you do that, his Holy Spirit convicts and just lets you know what those things are. It could be habits that you know do not honor him. Habits, just where you put your time. Maybe it's serious things, maybe porn or maybe, maybe movies you're allowed to watch or, or maybe things that are classic sins we struggle with like gossip or gluttony or selfishness. Maybe it's you putting work above him or work above family or maybe you're idol, I don't know. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. You choose. You choose. One, two, three, one, two, three. That's day. You choose to make this day significant because it's about a choice you make to know him for him. To give all yourself to him. Everything about you. And here's what he does. He honors that choice and then as we surrender to him, he works with us to do the purifying and clarifying. It's not as if, you know, I... I, Laugh sometimes. It's not if God and Jesus stand up on the up in heaven and they're like, ah, look at them trying so hard to be good. You that's not him. That's not his heart. His heart is, look at my daughter. She's turning to me. I'm running to her. I'm gonna help her. He doesn't expect you to do this all by yourself because that's that's not who he is. He's a God who came to earth to, to experience life with us, and he wants you to choose that today. And he honors that choice, and then you grow with him. So how does this work? For some of us, it's a surrender. Because as humans, we have this desire for control. We all do, right? We want to control our environment, make it right for us. And His desires are better than ours. So you give in to that because you trust him. You surrender. You surrender your goals because his are actually better than yours. You surrender you. You surrender your need to be right. To have things, to control, to get things your own way, when you want them, how you want them. To be offended. You trust him then to make changes that he sees need changed. And then you decide. I'm gonna ask for the, for the communion to be, we're going to do, it's going to be really different today. That's okay. Different's okay. Dalton, if you could join me up here and just give us some music. And if you could bring the communion elements down to the front here. We do communion different here. And um, I spilled some of mine, but I still am good. Uh, we do it a little different because um, I think we started this in COVID, but these can be difficult sometimes to get apart. This is a good learning experience for all of you to watch this. All right, the bottom cup has got the bread and the top, the the juice. So as they bring this down, um, we'll we'll take these together down here, which I know is different. I get it. And if you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. No judgment. You do what God's leading you to do. But what I'm going to ask for everybody to do is I want you to stand. We're going to pray for, in a minute here so do, you don't have to um, get out of your seat yet. Hey, let's do this. Can we just set those out right along the stage? That way there's more room for people to grab one, but. We'll take them together in a minute, but I want to give you one more challenge here as these guys are laying this out here. I'm challenging you to decide and to make some habits that will lead you to glorify God and to know him for him. Some of you may be thinking, I don't know how to do this. I know it can be tough, but I want to challenge you to some things. You don't have a relationship with someone you don't talk to. That's a no-brainer. You have to choose to talk to him and make time for that. I'm gonna challenge this. We we did this last year. We've done it in different years, but I really feel like as a church, I want us to, to fast for a couple weeks starting next Sunday. So not today. Um, but I want you to think about that and pray about that. Some people misunderstand fasting. Some people think it's a way to coerce God by saying look I'm giving up food you have to do what I want that's not it I want you to see it like this that you want to know him in a deeper way so here's how it works you're giving up a physical need to to have a more spiritual experience with him that's it for you to do that and, and what you choose to do if it's a meal too all meals whatever the point is you're doing it because you want more of God that's it that's it Yes, pray for things that are important. Pray for things you need and want. I'm not saying that. But I want you to understand that what I'm asking you to do is to make a choice. I want more of him for him. Not for what I'm going to get out of it, just for him. To, to deepen the relationship with him. Uh, many of you this year have done this reading plan that we do together with uh, YouVersion Bible app. And I know a lot of you, some people have already talked to me. I do this other plan. That's fine. Um I, I invited everybody I could this morning to a new reading plan that will start tomorrow. If you didn't get that, ask me. I can text you the invite. It's also on the YouVersion Bible app. It's on the notes if you want to click on that or whatever. I can put it on Facebook, too. I'll do that. But let me explain how that works. It, this this particular plan we're going to do this year is is put out by the the... Um, originator of the Alpha class that we did on Wednesdays. It's an introduction to Christianity class. It has a devotional where it's, it's actually longer than normal, but it, it has a devotional talking about what the verses are going to be about, and then we'll read through the entire Bible in the year. And um, then you have an opportunity to kind of give comments, and we can see each other's comments. I, learned, I feel like I learned something almost every day that I didn't read. I read the same thing they did, and then they saw something I didn't see. So I love that. I love that about that. Those things are small steps for you to know him for him. Simple like that. The last thing is this, is I'm really feeling called as a church for us to really, really build community as a church and build it in a way beyond uh, what we have done in the past. Now, as a church, we've had small groups in the past that meet, but I really want to emphasize that to the point where we know each other as a community and we care for each other and know each other's needs. So that's coming. But here's what I'd like you all to do. I'd like you to stand, and I'm just going to pray over you. I'd like you all to just shut your eyes for a minute, and there's nothing special about this. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want this. My challenge to you today you know, the date, the one, two, three, one, two, three. It's cute, it's interesting but it only has meaning if you give it meaning today. What I'm asking you to do is for you to choose today for this year, 2024, for you to get to know God for God, for him. That's it. Yes, there will be blessings. Yes, there will be miracles. Yes, he'll do great things. I get it. But I want you to start this year just wanting to know him for him, for him alone. So here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to make that commitment. Of course, I know where I'm asking you to all come up front, I get it. So you might feel like, ah, I better do this. That's fine. But I want you to put meaning in it. If you would do this now, if you would just step out and if that's your commitment to know him for him, just step out now, grab one of the cups and if you would just spread out and then we'll take those all together in a minute. As you're doing that, I just, I'll say a few things as you're doing that. God never wants us to jump into something without thinking it through. For some of you, as we were talking, maybe you felt convicted about a certain thing and maybe you had an inner dialogue about, God, I'm not sure I can give that up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What I'm asking you to do today is to at least take a step of faith and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know you more than I've ever known you before. I want to know you in a way that is beyond what I even knew possible. And I guarantee you, as you step toward him, he runs to you. Just like that picture that Jesus told with the prodigal son, as the prodigal came home, the father ran to him. If you're not familiar with communion, Pastor Jeremy said at the beginning of the service, if you're a believer in Christ, we want you to join us. We don't, we don't have a rule that you have to be a member of this church. But this is how this works. On the day that Jesus was arrested, the night that started his passion of the Christ before his crucifixion, he was celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples. And when they were doing that, he took a cup, or he took the bread, and he blessed it. And he told them that this was his body, which was broken for them. Likely, they had no idea what was coming. They had no idea. Now, us on this side of eternity, of course, we see what that meant. His broken body he would be beaten, bloodied, tortured. And then he took a cup and he held it up and he told them, this cup represents my blood and is a new covenant for you. What's mind-blowing and had to blow their minds as he was changing their religion that day. He was changing it. They were no longer going to be Jews, but they were going to be a new community, a new covenant that was established in the sacrifice that he shed for them. So then he told them that when you meet together and you do this, do this in memory of me. What he was doing in that moment was he was creating a new agreement. And really, I'm asking you to do that today. You in this room for you to make a new agreement with him to know him for him. Wherever you are in that, that walk of faith, maybe for you this is all new or maybe you're newer or maybe you've been following Christ your whole life long. We all can go deeper. We all can know him more. And I'm just asking you to make that commitment symbolized by this commitment here together today. In a couple seconds here, we're just gonna... I'm going to pray over this. We're going to take the bread. I'll pray. We'll take the cup and I'll close in prayer and then I'm going to challenge you to to, uh, walk out of this place making that new commitment real. So if you could take that bread. Knowing Father, that this represents your son's broken body, that was broken for us, we are grateful. We we eat this remembering his broken body. Let's eat together. And now taking this cup that represents his blood. God, we're so grateful that you were willing for your son to suffer and to shed his blood for our redemption. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that you are willing to do that. We drink this now in gratitude and remembrance of that sacrifice. Let me just pray over us as a dismissal here today. Father, we stand here today having taken communion together as a church and all of us joined here. God, we... We want more of you. God, I'm speaking for all of us when I say I want to know you for you, just for you. I want a relationship with you that eclipses anything I've known before. I want to know you deeper. I want I want to open your word, and as I read it, I want you just to speak to me and make it come alive in ways I had not seen. Father, I submit to you in knowing that as, as I read your word and, and pray that your Holy Spirit will point out things that i need to change and work on and god i want that i want to be better i want to change and i want to be more like you god we give ourselves to you today and ask you then to change us in every way we need in the name of jesus can we all say amen together amen god bless you as you head out of here today greet some people encourage each other and um Grow in the Lord today. In Jesus' name, bless you today. Amen.